On Perspective this week, we consider what it means to be truly sustainable. As sustainable appears to mean all things to all people, I ask our guests what they think it means and why do we need sustainable business. With only 36% of businesses having yet calculated their carbon footprint, are most businesses yet to be convinced by government's claim of a climate emergency? And what impact will the new Biosphere Isle of Man toolkit make? I'm joined today by Chamber of Commerce Business Sustainability Group Chair Ralph Peake, Joe Overty from Biosphere Isle of Man and Green Party leader Andrew Newton. So perhaps, uh, Ralph, if if we could start uh, with you and uh, really tell us a little bit about what the um, Chamber of Commerce's um, uh, committee that you're chairing uh, actually does. Thank you, and thank you for having me on this programme. Um, so the Chamber of Commerce, really, we, are, we approach them to, with this idea of trying to help local businesses and help local businesses meet their sustainability obligations because we do believe that having a sustainable business puts you in a really good position to actually weather the storms of the future and how we can actually then not only engage with our staff but also then make those businesses more sustainable themselves, but also to follow a sustainable path, whether that's energy, whether that's natural resources, the use of those, many things that will make up their sustainable future. So we really want to encourage that. And what we're doing at the Chamber and the Business Sustainability Group, we've got a series of workshops where we're actually learning together how and what businesses want the future island to look like. And... and in, in the press release that came out uh, announcing that you've done a survey, uh, Nancy Shefford, Capital International's representative on the Business Sustainability Group, stated uh, that carbon auditing is uh, one of the most important first steps for business to take when tackling sustainability. But only 36% of businesses have calculated their carbon footprint. So does that mean... Two-thirds of Manx businesses have barely even started to tackle the climate emergency which government believes we're facing. Well, what I think it does show is that businesses now, they're changing their mindset to be prepared for the future. And that, that's a great thing. So this survey is really just the start of that. And we were, we were really pleased, actually, to see such a high proportion of people who are really taking this seriously, putting policies in place. So now you've got your policy in place, you can then turn to the tools, to the audits around to really understand what position you're in, what carbon um, output you're, you're contributing. And I, I thought Capital International absolutely showed how working together, how to co-produce something with the workforce. They've taken some audit tools and they've actually tailor-made it for themselves, for their own use here in the Alaman. And we think that's absolutely fantastic. What Capital are now doing is offering that tool and that, that expertise to other chamber members, to other small business owners. So they're actually going to offer that and show them how to use that so they can then audit their own businesses. Once we've got that understood, we really then would like to reach out and, and offer that to, to non-Chamber members and, and the public at large. A, a great answer, but uh, 64% of, the, of businesses still haven't haven't done the, the, the basic, which is do the carbon audit to, to understand where they are. And, and you know, I, d- I don't want to be overly negative here because I think there are some really positive things that seem to have come out in the, in the survey, but... Uh, you know, we've known about this climate emergency. Uh, um, government announced it. Uh, when would that be? About f- four years ago now. 
Um, are, we, are we really taking it seriously enough yet, do you think? Well, what this does show is that more people are now taking it seriously than before. It is only a small selection, and I appreciate it as a self-selecting selection as well. You know, the, the businesses chose to take part in the survey and chose to be open and honest about what they're doing and what their, their future ambitions are. And I think that's a really good thing. Yes, it's not every. We know there's over 3,000 small businesses on the Alamance, so there's still a lot more to reach out to. But the, the lead that some of these larger international businesses, because they know how important it is for their energy policy to be absolutely watertight, because decisions on their business, on the branch here in the Alamance, they won't be made here in the Alamance. Some of these international decisions will be made at the headquarters, whether that's in the US, whether that's in, in Europe. And that will affect the branch here in the Alamance, because they know that their stakeholders, that's the stake that people who work there as well as their customers are demanding that those international companies have really strong green, green credentials and they cannot afford to be in a jurisdiction that does not completely align themselves with that. So that's why the Chamber of Commerce is really working with local businesses to get the mindset right so we can then work towards what with the Isle of Man needs to stay in that international and competitive market and how we can then get the Isle of Man working together to use these natural resources we've got here for the benefit of a sustainable future. And, and what other uh, highlights would you say there were in, in terms of the uh, the survey? Um, be, because yeah, the, the, there were some really good positives that came out of this as well, weren't there? Yeah, there were. And uh, what was heartening to me was that people can recognise early on, the, the, the people who actually take part of the survey, they can recognise that it's not actually going to be a massive cost, but they can actually see early on that it's actually going to save them money and I promise you, as a, as a business owner of 25 years, you know, you're always keen to look at those things to see how you can make your business more effective and efficient. And that's a great message that's coming out of this, that those early adopters can see there's a financial benefit. And also I was heartened to see how they believe that education was a, was a good role in that, engagement with their staff and having that education. And that is something what we're trying to do at Chambers to try and, once we have understand what we want here in the island, how we can educate people to understand and deliver that. Andrew Newton, you're leader of the Isle of Man Green Party. You fielded uh, candidates in just two uh, constituency and failed to win a seat in the House of Keys election. Um, the Manx public are far from convinced by the need to change and your message appears to have fallen on unreceptive ears. Well, I would accept the challenge and, and reverse it to say that actually we attained over three candidates, Andrew Jessup ran in 2020 as well, um, a huge amount of share of the votes in the Isle of Man elections. And that's a real shout to, to go, yes, we support sustainability. We support these issues. Every, um, every vote that we received was a vote in that favour. And on the doorstep, overwhelmingly... Um, the challenge I received was, when is this going to start? When is action on resource management, waste efficiency, renewable energy, sustainable transport, sustainable heating, when is that going to start in the Isle of Man? Because to date, we've just had words and words on a paper and declarations in Timwald. Uh, but when has that actually turned into substance and leadership? And that's what we want to see. So this is great to see this document produced by the Chamber of Commerce, because that really says businesses are not waiting for central government to... They're actually putting these actions into effect. They're putting meaning to the words that have been declared in Timwald, that have been written down in laws like the Climate Change Act. And we see businesses like Mountain View and Ramsey many years ago took leadership on the issue of renewable energy and put in the biggest 
um, solar installation in the Isle of Man. Now they I believe they've doubled it and put a battery installation. You see other builders, the businesses like Selton Mance and, and Zurich in Douglas and Capital International as well, taking leadership on sustainability. So yes, I would say number one, my experience and the Green Party's experience as well, we've had uh, five local politicians elected and we've run in 12 elections where we've also received many votes, every vote being a, a support of the action on sustainability. So yeah, we have had a huge overwhelming uh, public response in favour of action on sustainability issues. And now we're hearing that from the business community who have been talking and taking action for a long time, but even more so in 2022, taking fundamentally now leadership on the issue, which we'd like to see from central government, not just words anymore, but actual leadership. And um, so, yeah, uh, I think the Isle of Man is not it's it's already been aware of these issues. But now, rather than waking up, is actually taking action on them. And, and in terms of the, the local politicians that uh, the Green Party has, uh, basically members of local authorities, um, what what, um, what real uh, leadership and uh, progress impact are, are they actually making? Uh, so we see in, in Braddon, for example, uh, Andrew Jessup has been a chair for the Braddon Commissioners for a long time and they've st- invested heavily in renewable, um, uh, very high standard efficiency properties, which is great to see. Um, and then elsewhere in the Isle of Man, we've seen in, in Douglas as well, um, uh, Green Party councillors taking leadership on active travel, leadership on um, sustainable properties and leadership on resource management, better efficiency, higher um, higher recycling rates. We've got really, really poor recycling rates in the Isle of Man compared to Central Europe. In Germany, for example, they're in the region of uh, 65 to 70%. In the Isle of Man, they're in the region of 20%. Um, and that's not from the will of individuals because we say bri- private sector as well taking the lead. Uh, the recent in, in, uh, endeavours of, of Clara Isaac and her business uh, is great to see going, we're not going to wait for central government or local authorities anymore on recycling because we know there's a marketplace. People People want to take the right decision. They want they have the best intentions about recycling more and just there isn't the environment to do it. Um, so uh, that we've got their industry taking the lead on that, bringing um, recycling to people who don't have access to it. And uh, I suppose uh, we're, we're, we're here to talk about things like sustainability. Um, the, the um, I think it's always been a difficult word to 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 properly define i I remember when i first had a stab at this back in 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 my days as an early uh, days as a backbench member of the house of keys uh, i i managed to convince tinwald that we should have a sustainability officer in every department and then uh, the penny dropped that actually the reason i had that support is is there was such a range of of definitions to what sustainable actually means you know sustainable to some people we is we can continue to exploit the workforce because uh, because we can because we're in power and we can just continue to do that forever and that's sustainable <laughs> um and and you know I, I suppose that that that's one extreme um but uh, it would be useful i think to um perhaps get from each of you uh, your definition and maybe joe if we could start with you um how does biosphere isle of man define sustainable and why does any of this really matter i think 
the simplest way to put it is that um, we need to meet the needs of today without compromising our ability to meet the needs of tomorrow and beyond. Um, and that clearly matters to our very existence, um, is the bottom line to that. Um, most of the world's most precious resources are finite. We're using them up way more quickly than they can be rebuilt or replenished. And, um, you know, the time has now come to start to take actions in our own lives um, and including in the business, you know, in business setting to um, make sure that we all play a part in a sustainable future. Ralph, what, what, what does sustainable mean to you? So we had our, uh, a workshop last month uh, at the Chamber of Commerce, and we've got another one here this, this Thursday, which is open to Chamber members. It is open to the public as well, but uh, nine, 9 o'clock on, on Thursday, the 14th, at the Eye Museum. And what we try to do is to really connect people with where they live on the Isle of Man. So we're all living here on the Isle of Man, and, and really to try and... Why do they like the Isle of Man? Once you start realising and, uh, and being aware of your surroundings... You then, as, as Joe rightly says, you want to live with those surroundings and continue to live with those surroundings and keep them as well into the future. If you can make that connection and then run your business, work for other businesses and actually still respect the environment that you actually live in rather than plundering it at, at a rate that can't be sustained then you've then got a surrounding the way you actually do. You enjoy it. You all want to live here. We're so proud of the island. We keep hearing this all the time, how proud we are. Why would we not then want to look after it to pass it on to our children and their children? It's, it makes sense to me to have a business that is sustainable in a sustainable environment using the resources that we naturally have in abundance. Do you think we'd have more luck in convincing the, the public uh, about this if we just called it basic common sense. I love that expression, Phil. Absolutely. that that Yes, it's common sense. Uh, I think there's been so much fear pumped into the, the, the public, really, over the last few years. The cost, and, and people are really anxious now about what the future's going to, to look like. Fuel costs are rising, and these are all fossil fuel costs that are rising. So why would you not want to look at alternative ways to actually heat your home, to cook your food, to use transport, when the cost is astronomical, why not look to the alternatives that are f easily available now in many, many other countries? I really do think that this administration, this government administration, has it in its gift to really make a, a massive contribution. And I do believe with the current chief minister, I was lucky enough to, to work with him for five years, I do believe that this chief minister has that integrity. He has that leadership skills to actually come out and actually have a plan that works. I, I, I'm, I do believe that, and I think the, all the timing is right now for that. There's been enough talk, as Andrew said, of the years. I do know that work, when I was in Treasury, was going on behind the scenes around that. We have got uh, some money uh, in place for that now in that bond, and we really now need to stop pumping fear into people and start looking at the solutions. Andrew Newton, I mean, the, 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 a lot of people would say the only sustainable way for us to move to a, a carbon neutral future is to use the uh, apparently vast um, wealth of, of gas resource that lies off the northeast uh, coast in our territorial, uh, or beneath our territorial seabed. Um, 
is that sustainable? I mean, this is part of the problem with this this the you know the the definition of the word sustainable, isn't it? Um, because one person's sustainable is is another person's unsustainable. Um, you know, from from the point of view of those who who champion the cause of gas extraction, they would say that actually Alaman government simply doesn't have the money to change quickly enough to respond unless we have something like this. Uh, free money that uh, the gas is going to give us. Yeah, uh, apologies. I, I'm Langan Newton now as well, Phil. I went for a rebrand a couple of years ago. Apologies Sorry. for that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I remember in 2016 election, I was doorstepped by an MHK candidate who was saying to me, "Wow, you've got this grand resource that we can take out of the seabed and burn, and and that's energy. And why shouldn't we use it? And then the resources that we do have are staring in, in the face that candidate in terms of the wind, in terms of the sea, in terms of the solar power that hits the island every day, solar energy." And and that's a really great resource that we should be tapping into. And um, and, and I would endorse again uh, what Joe has said there about the Brundtland definition of sustainability, which is the Green Party's endorsed in its principles in terms of um, meeting needs today, the needs of our community to benefit our society, improve our society, addressing psychological needs as well as physical needs, but in a way that's not going to compromise our future. And we're a society that um, has the benefit of great knowledge, great resource, and now we're just waiting for the combination of leadership to bring that knowledge, to bring that resource together into a future that's going to benefit the whole community, is going to improve the community in ways that we're, not, we're going to suffer from less pollution. We're going to suffer from lower volatility of um, global resource prices, as Ralph's rightly highlighted. And actually, we're going to take the benefit of a great resource that we already have in our island. Um, and so... Um, I would say it's we've already got the data to know that the solar, the wind um, and the storage is going to be a greater economy. It's going to be long lasting. It's going to go much more efficient than the short term fix that we're going to see if there is any hydrocarbons that will come out of the seabird, seabed ever. Uh, and there's a big question about that, I think. Um, um, in, in terms of the global market that's going on that's changing dramatically. We're seeing leadership across the world on renewable energy and we're just waiting for it to happen here in the Isle of Man. But so many of the countries showing leadership on um, global energy are using gas as a transition fuel. Uh, and uh, you know, we have a, a text into the, the programme. Uh, someone who I would say, guessing from the text, doesn't agree with you, says, good old, uh, good on big old Isle of Man, we are going to save the world. Ha ha. Um, have, have, has the Green Party really, is the, re- the Green Party really in touch with, with what, what the public are thinking on the island, do you think? Well, yeah, because people, we come and speak to people all the time. We have members joining all the time. We've run candidates in election. And there we go out and we engage with the difficult conversations, if there are difficult conversations to have on everything, every aspect of politics and society and culture. Um, and in terms of energy, I think we're pushing against an open door with everyone looking around going, where are the wind turbines? Where are the solar panels? Where are the um, the battery storage or the other forms of electric buses or electric transport? We're seeing, a, we're seeing great investment in electric transport and it makes sense for a place like the Isle of Man but all those other areas were were left wanting so if people go um the question is, we're getting, is where's the support? Where's the leadership? Not, should we be doing it? That was a question answered 
um, or years ago, maybe even decades ago. Um, so, um, yeah, we engage with any detractors, but we're, we're always on the winning side of the argument about whether, what's, what's the transition? Is it happening today? And how long will it take? And uh, Ralph Peak, uh, we, we have a listener who's ridden to the rescue a little bit and says, uh, can you ask the panel if income generated from green power would match that of the gas vat uh, that's expected to be gained? Uh, they go on to say, I think they are right, uh, but they do need to get the numbers here. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. The numbers need to be um, correct to, to balance the books in, in government. Um, but it's in the Treasury's gift to, to set um, the tax that it wants to do. But just going back to the, it is easy, like, the text you had earlier, just to poke fun at, at this. But when you actually look at the facts, the facts are that the last contract for difference round in the UK, just about 10 days ago, 3.7 pence per kilowatt. Now, that's that's cheaper than current gas prices, the so cost of gas. So 3.7 Against five pence. Against five pence. For one kilowatt of energy. For, for those who don't understand contract for so, so, for instance, um, that, that's the amount that the UK government will actually pay for the energy that comes out of the um, onshore wind farms. So that is cheaper than it costs to actually buy gas and to produce that electricity, which is uh, the cost to actually buy the gas at the moment is around about five pence. So it's now cheaper. So the UK government are paying less for onshore wind than they are for gas. So they're, they're the facts. And so if people want to poke fun of that, I, I don't quite understand that because you're then saddling yourself to a more expensive fuel that is actually going to get harm the environment. We all know that the air quality from burning fossil fuels kills around about 30,000 people a year in the UK. And there was a, a lady who died from respiratory problems, and she was the first person to be named as someone who died from respiratory problems, and that's from burning fossil fuels. So this is a very real issue. I don't find that funny. So, Andrew uh, Newton, then, if, if, if it is so obvious, um, what... You know, I mean, effectively, what we're talking about at the moment—the big, the big issue facing the Isle of Man—that uh, many people are concerned about is is the cost of living crisis. Um, I mean, there's a fairly obvious link between cost of living uh, crisis and energy prices. Uh, have you have you just not managed to connect the two uh, well enough in people's minds? Do you think? In the sense that, well, we know the cost of living crisis is going on. Um, the Isle of Man's not immune to those global levers that have been pulled that are influencing that. The war in Ukraine, for example, and other aspects. Um, what we know is there's already enough uh, hydrocarbon deposits available in the world that um, historically... Um, there hasn't, because of the Russian market, there hasn't been need to engage with those deposits that are already available. There's a lag time with industry building up the extraction in those places, in those other huge um, deposits in like Africa, in Australia, in other areas of Asia, for example. Um, so the, the, the glut will come in due course with or without Ukraine. But anyway, but that's non what we're concerned about is the next decade not the next year. I mean, the cost of living crisis is going on and government needs to engage that and needs to support the population, especially those most adversely impacted within our society. And that should be happening um, now. But what we're talking about today is the next 10 years and the investments that need to take place now 
to hedge against future volatility because we can't put the wind turbines up and the solar panels up in the next six months. We could start to, and we could start to make these crucial investments which take time to deliver. What we don't want to see is more delay from government because if decisions were taken four years ago, we'd be in a total different position. If the hedges were taken then about investing in renewable energy, investing in the wind turbines, investing in solar panels, then the Isle of Man would be much better cushioned to, against this global volatility. It would have been better hedges against this price shocks that now are impacting our society. So what we're looking at today is going, government, take leadership, take the brave decisions and go, look, we don't want to be caught again without protection in another four years time if there's huge shocks. Because what we know with fossil fuel industry is when the price, when revenues fall in, fixed, fossil fuel companies still have fixed costs. They've still got overheads to, to protect. And how they do that is they push up prices. So people who are left with oil or gas heating and then don't have any protection when that price goes up because they don't have the ability to quickly switch to a heat pump in the next three months. And and I suppose the, the, the point that was made um, by one of our texters was uh, that you know we need to see the the, the hard figures here the, we've had the, the the case from the gas extractors that says you know, there's potentially billions of, of pounds of revenue that can help fund all the things you've been talking about um what's what's the green party's answer to where the money would come from to actually fund the change that's needed. I mean, assuming that everyone listening agrees that in principle it's not a bad idea to have a, a, a system which relies on itself rather than relying on, on countries all the, all the way around the world uh, for our energy. Uh, assuming that's already set and, and agreed in people's minds, how, how do we actually fund that change? So a, a, a key point of renewable energy that people sometimes don't appreciate fully, it's a zero marginal cost energy production method. It doesn't rely on imports. It doesn't rely on uranium coming into the Isle of Man if we had a nuclear facility, or it doesn't require an oil or gas coming in or coal. Um, the, the sun and the wind, they don't issue invoices. Do you have maintenance to keep up a wind turbine, etc., annual maintenance and solar panels? Maybe you need to clean the panel to keep the efficiency going up. But once you've got the cap in place it's generating energy at a zero marginal cost i mean that's going to really impact government finances as ralph's already highlighted it's going to reduce tax revenue but it's going to create value in the economy because it means that people are going to be able to have much cheaper energy much widely available and much um, sheltered from global economic shocks so that's going to be much better for our economy um, in the longer term, hey, it's gonna... a chunk of GDP out of the economy because people are not going to be paying for stuff anymore. Or if they are paying, it's going to reduce. But that's going to be a positive. And that's an issue with how we measure economic success about GDP. GDP is a good measure for some things. It's a bad measure for other things like car crashes. That's not great for the economy, but GDP goes up when you have lots of car crashes. So this is an interesting paradox. We're actually taking GDP out of our economy measure is going to appear bad on our stats. It's going to be massive for our improvement, for our well-being. Um, I think there was another point that I was going to say, but it's just skipped my mind while I focused on that point. So I'll, I'll let Rack come in. Well, um, oh. yes, go on, a quick I, I point. I was going to say, really, what it is is actually to get the business and the private sector working together. That It was quite clear, Professor James Curran clearly spelt it out in his impact report to Coleman, council ministers, uh, that the business sector and the pr public sector should work together. That's where we will actually end up, get that investment properly, and that's where we can then enjoy it as an island 
together. But ultimately, the question is, where does the money come from now? So, for example, I, I'm quite into into all the, 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 the green idea. I would quite like to put solar panels on, on the roof, um, but I don't have the money. I, I don't have the initial money to, to invest. And because I've done so much to, to already to, to insulate my home, I'm not eligible for any of the government grants because I'm 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 a, a, an early adopter of a lot of the things. Therefore, I'm, I'm I'm not eligible. So how do I how I mean that that that's that's my position. So I, I'm in a, a difficult. You know, I, I I couldn't really justify uh, spending the money at the moment because uh, I don't have it. Um, government is you know, government could potentially see the benefit. Of, of moving towards uh, re- renewable energy, energy which we're not relying on the rest of the world for. Um, but if it doesn't have the initial money to invest in the first place, how is it going to uh, actually achieve this? Because, Andrea, I think that was a point that, um, whilst you addressed to a certain extent, you didn't really explain where does the, where does the first tranche, you know, the, the 100 million, whatever it needs to be, of, of money come from to actually make this change. So I'd agree with Ralph, and this is the point that I was trying to rack my brains for, which is actually, we don't have to rely on central government. Like, how much do you think a solar panel is? Is a 500 watt solar panel might be like a couple of hundred pounds. If you want to put that on your roof, you're generating renewable energy that's hedging against increases in prices at max utilities. You're generating your own power then, you've got autonomy, control, and actually you're going, yeah, I'm doing a great thing for the future of the Isle of Man. So actually, solar panels are not a £10,000 project. Maybe you wanted to fill your house with solar panels, but you don't actually need to do that. Um, so uh, solar panels can be very, very cheap. It's like you decide how much you want to put on, but you could take that decision today and you could buy a panel on the internet or you could go through a business in the Isle of Man and go and, and get them to fit it, and which would be great for the economy of the Isle of Man. Um, but you could take that step today. You don't need to wait for central government to pass a law or pass a regulation. Um, and government has taken leadership on this point, reducing the need for planning permission to a certain extent on solar panels which is great that was that was a really important thing and so this decision like 100 million that's not coming out of the public purse that's businesses all around the Isle of Man that's individuals all around the Isle of Man taking the decision rather than getting a gas boiler or an oil boiler they go and invest in a heat pump and that's banks also in the Isle of Man giving the appropriate lending creating the environment to go yeah we're taking leadership by offering attractive loans for heat pumps for solar panels for electric cars and so yeah there's still a lot the central government could do on transport on heating on energy on their own buildings as well like roofing the schools and putting solar panels on the schools rather than putting all the scaffolding up and putting zero solar panels on um but that a huge amount of that money is going to come from the private sector taking decisions well I think it's probably time we have a break now. Uh, I'm very much aware that one of our guests, uh, Joe Overty, hasn't had a lot to say uh, as yet. Unfortunately, being a civil servant, you might have lots. To th- you might think a lot about politics, but you're you're fairly limited in how much you can contribute. But uh, I hope to to explore a bit more about uh, how Biosphere Isle of Man uh, is part of this uh, this whole uh, argument or discussion. You're listening to Perspective with me, Phil Gorn, and guests Ralph Peake, Joe Overty, and Andrew Langen-Newton. Um, so, Joe, just before the break there, I said that we've neglected you, so apologies for that. Um, I suppose the biosphere is a bit like sustainable uh, and sustainability in terms of the... A lot of people think of it in, in lots of different ways, and uh, perhaps it's not entirely clear to everybody 
what the biosphere is and how is it relevant to this conversation? UNESCO biospheres globally have three functions. They are charged with delivering sustainable development, conservation and learning. Um, but because there are 738 biospheres in, I think, 134 countries now, they're obviously all very different uh, politically, economically, um, geographically, e ecologically. Um, so each biosphere is encouraged to have its own strategy. Our strategy is called Working Together for a Sustainable Future. And in that, we um, aim to foster a greater understanding about how the way we live and the decisions we take affect our future. And we also pledge to encourage learning about more sustainable ways of living. And in terms of uh, what you've been doing uh, this week, uh, along uh, in tandem perhaps with uh, the, the Chamber of Commerce, you announced the Biosphere, uh, the yes, the Biosphere Isle of Man uh, Sustainability Toolkit. Uh, what what exactly does the toolkit do? What's what's in there that's going to help? And yeah, who, who does it help? We've been working with businesses for for for, for several years now. Um, uh, we have a partner scheme where businesses and indeed other organisations can take a pledge to do better for the Isle of Man, accepting that better will always be very subjective um, and look very different from organisation to organisation. We've also, at the opposite end of the spectrum, had our awards. Um, they're in their fourth year now where we recognise and um, publicise um, organisations and individuals who are carrying out good work in the field of a more sustainable future. Um, We've, for the last two years, we've had a, a UCM, a University College Isle of Man um, intern, which very much complements the learning strand of a biosphere, working alongside us um, to research how we um, connect more with businesses and how we help businesses to operate more sustainably. So our student last year um, surveyed businesses, went out and met businesses um, and from there develop, developed a, a, a web webinar series um, culminating in a brilliant webinar by KPMG's Global Head of Sustainability, which is fantastic. And you can see on our new YouTube site, um, well worth a visit. Um, and so our student this year, um, Emma Sale, um, has kind of taken over the baton. And, um, you know, we realise that not everyone can attend a webinar, not everyone can attend training. So we set off to create something that could go online as an interactive toolkit that would help all businesses to consider those first steps towards sustainability, consider what it might mean for them in terms of rewards, reputations, recruitment and all the other benefits and to sort of help them along the way a little bit. Um, businesses obviously have great power to make change. They light and heat buildings, they purchase, they manufacture, they create waste, they transport goods, they travel, um, you know, and much more so than individual contributions, they have, you know, they very much have the ability to shape and change um, and to influence others, their customers, their employers. And we're really seeing that here in the Isle of Man, I think, um, with some of our award-winning um, uh, uh, business partners. Um, but you know, businesses face the here and now, they've had a very tough few years and, you know, we are absolutely conscious that, you know, many businesses are just looking down at the bottom line and um, we wanted to just give them a, a toolkit that they can pick up when they want to pick it up, that they can work through at their own pace um, and apply it to their own business. And the, the businesses that can actually uh, be part of this, uh, do, you, do you actually have to be a partner to be able to, to utilise the 
the sustainability toolkit? Or... No, not at all. The toolkit is online. It's there for anybody. It's an interactive toolkit if you've got the right software and I'm not the right person to talk to about that because I'm fairly old. Um, <laughs> um, and you can, as I say, it's in sections, so it introduces the concepts of sustainability. You know, why should my business even be thinking about this right now? What are the benefits? What are the, what are the setbacks? There are little sections, you know, where you can kind of reflect and revisit and um, it, it talks to you about how to change the culture of your organisation if that's what it needs, how to have that conversation with the finance manager about why this stuff matters um, and then point you in the direction of extra help. Um, obviously, it has to be reasonably generic. We've got a very diverse business sector here in the Isle of Man is diversifying all the time, which is fantastic. So we can't have, um, you know, individual examples for every single sector in the Isle of Man. But we do have some case studies um, that will hopefully inspire other businesses. And we do have some sort of checklists, I suppose, for some of the major sectors. Um, so we've been helped by the likes of Visit Isle of Man, Max National Farmers Union, Institute of Directors and others to, you know, create some bespoke checklists. And we hope it's going to be a living document. Um, while our master's student is off completing her master's right now, we do hope that, you know, somebody may pick up the cudgels in the future and we'll be able to keep this as a live document. And um, I have to say that the Chamber of Commerce have been enormously helpful. And indeed, Emma gave her sort of final master's presentation to the Sustainable Sustainability Committee. And the CEO has been very complimentary about the tool. I think it's kind of come about just at the right time as, as Chamber's own committee is, is, is launching. Uh, <coughs> and in, in terms of um, the the biosphere, Isle of Man, um, you, I think like a lot of uh, the, 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 the green debate, uh, people will say, oh yes, there's vast sums of money being spent um, and uh, all, all to pursue some uh, international agenda which the Isle of Man can influence in a very small way. Um, that's probably the, the, the extreme uh, view of, 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 of Biosphere. But in, in essence, the Biosphere Isle of Man team is a relatively small team with a relatively small budget. Uh, and uh, effectively, you're there to, to try and help people become more sustainable businesses to become more, more sustainable we aim to connect people up with the challenges around sustainability um, and you know the importance of culture to the island the way we have lived the way we do live and the way we will live obviously is you know almost the sort of backbone to it all to be honest with you um, yeah we, we, we've got numerous projects uh, across all sectors we you know don't just solely work with businesses we work in schools and education and you know with the general public too um, and yeah if we can be that sort of catalyst for someone to understand an issue we, we always say you have to you know you have to be interested to care and you have to care to take action and from action stems change you know and we, we're, we're great at you know getting involved in things in the Isle of Man so it's it's, a, it's not a hard sell um, I, I, yeah so I think we, we you know we're a driver to, to be a better place and it, it behoves us to try you know we may only make a small difference in terms of the Chinas and the USAs of this world but you know that isn't a good enough reason to just sit back and not do our bit and uh, Ralph Ralph Peak um, is it is it appropriate is it reasonable for government effectively to have um, a, 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 a unit working within government which is the role of which is to effectively pursue Andrew Lang and Newton's Green Party agenda and, and, and promote the benefits of sustainability yes I think um, government certainly pursued that idea of having the Isle of Man's nation to be the first biosphere's nation in the world which is great uh, and it's, it's now sort of come to terms with how to actually use that for the benefit of the island and it, it, it is a big 
um, issue and it's taken a while to sort of grasp. But I do think now we were certainly impressed with the, the, the tool that MSL put together and that I know Chamber do want to use that and want to contribute to that. As, as Joe said, that's a living document. So we would sort of see that as being, if you like, the the heart of the document that we can then contribute to and then that will be one point for for businesses to go to um, business owners entrepreneurs do care about their business and if they believe that their customers and their stakeholders want to work with businesses that care about the environment as well they will listen to that and they'll listen to it and they'll put things in place that deliver what their customers and stakeholders want so I think now, you know, it's, it's taken a few years. I know, you know, Joe really has been pushing this for, for a few years. And now I think people are starting, probably with other things that are happening in the world, now seems to be the time that people are starting to get their understanding and realising how this jigsaw fits together. And it's not a jigsaw full of fear. There is actually some great benefits that we can all enjoy a future together here. And uh, Joe, uh, we've... we've Unfortunately, we're a day before the press release, aren't we? Um, <laughs> it's fine. Do, what, what, I mean, c- can you give us a sneak preview of what, what uh, the press release tomorrow sure. is going to say? Sure, yeah. So tomorrow we are going to announce um, the second year of our Sustainable Man workshops, which obviously very much complement the toolkit. You know, so the toolkit is great for, you know, the busy business owner who may want to sort of sit down in the evening or something and, you know, do it at their own pace. But um, last year we piloted workshops in areas such as greener energy and waste um, and attracting nature and wildlife to your business and keeping it there and adopting a circular economy approach and also starting a sustainable business. Um, So we had a a pilot series of six workshops. We offered an accreditation to all businesses who attended all six um, and 14 businesses sort of graduated at the end of that and received the first uh, sustainable man accreditation. Um, And we're repeating those workshops this year, um, very much tied in. very much tied in with this. So they uh, will be publicised to the general public tomorrow. And, of course, we've given our Biosphere partner businesses priority booking. They, we expect them to be very popular. They were completely full last year. And a very um, sort of passionate cohort followed them all the way through. So Excellent. So, um, Andrew, there's been a few uh, texts in uh, during our discussion, a few extra texts. Um, so I'll, I'll go through uh, some of them here. Uh, um if people keep poking fun, we're, we're not going to get anywhere or, or we're going to get nowhere. Um, good afternoon. Listening to your show, none of your guests has said how we are to pay for the wind, tidal or nuclear alternatives. We use gas now and we'll have to do so for the next 30 years. So the expected supply in Manx waters, sorry, it's, uh, surely pay for the... Uh, no, I can't... Where is it? Come on. I'll get it. No, well, I'll I'll come to that. Why is that not uh, opening? I can't open the the thing. Anyway, um, tidal power is more reliable natural power uh, to provide base loads, less battery banks needed, etc. And uh, and then uh, these people are typical example of a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. The future is nuclear. Um, so th- there's plenty there for you to to have a go at responding to nuclear tidal. Are are these uh, really uh, a realistic prospect so the gas 30 years i mean there's no merit to that with all jeff we all due deference i mean um yeah we're talking about 10 years before the gas power station is going to be decommissioned or in that region i mean there's different numbers bound around 2031 to 2034 depending it could be retrofitted maybe take more hydrogen on or um but yeah so the gas is a future of the island man in terms of electricity 
generation doesn't have longer than 10 years really um so we already know we need to be making investments now to hedge against that in terms of gas for heating and um, we're seeing these huge volatility and as i mentioned already in in a future place where gas companies are going to have to protect their their revenue base to cover their fixed costs they're going to have to push their prices up we're going to see even more gas prices going up and this is in a in a world a global world where renewable energy fell solar power fell in the region of 70 to 80 percent between 2010 and 2020 uh, wind in the region of 45 percent battery power in the region of 90 percent we're projecting those figures forward in the next decade as well which they've been coming down dramatically in that period we're looking at very very cheap in, um, energy very very cheaper storage um, and we're going to look around and go businesses are going to make economic decisions based around price they're looking at the future and they're not thinking about the next six months they're looking at the investment period the next five years the next 10 years is the isle of man going to be the right place for them in the future is the uh, environment as ralph's already mentioned maybe their global businesses with headquarters elsewhere who are setting these 2030 2035 targets to be a net zero and they're going can the isle of man keep pace with that yeah we can put some renewable energy on our roof to a certain degree we can put heat pumps in but but can we really go is the government creating the environment to enable us to that to happen is the planning policies in place is the investments there so uh, that's the first point 2030 in terms of uh, nuclear um we're seeing nuclear even uh, the small modular reactors being so expensive i mean you had richie sunak and boris johnson having this massive argument earlier this year because boris really wanted to go nuclear and sunak was just going the finances aren't there it's just so expensive compared to solar the cheapest form of energy generation ever and wind really really cheap as well these are economic decisions where we go oh that nuclear could solve this issue but actually it's so expensive um the figures i'm looking at the uk for the equivalent amount of a small modular reactor i think it was like um two billion or something the equivalent to produce the same generation from solar was like 200 million um so businesses look at those figures and just go it's a no-brainer we're going to invest in renewable energy ralph um you've you've had the uh, the practical treasury man <coughs> uh, hat on uh, you you know uh, um, better than anybody, I suppose, bit better than, than most people at least, that uh, the thing that really uh, tickles or not tickles what the word floats uh, the the treasury's boat is the prospect of vast sums of money coming in. Um, what treasury doesn't like is investing in things where there's 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 a little bit of uncertainty as to when the payback is going to be and and what that payback looks like is, is this part of the the fundamental problem that uh, the the arguments that, or the, the 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 points that you're trying to put over uh, struggle with uh, you know i think the public generally too they they see this large pot of money being promised uh, by uh, the the, um, the potential gas extraction, and they just think, oh, gosh, uh, the, if if we don't take the money, uh, we're going to have to pay for this some somehow ourselves. Uh, is is this the, the 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 crux of the matter? The the the, the bit that really needs to be properly resolved in terms of improving communication so that people can feel more reassured by uh, what's being proposed because I don't think anyone would argue with the principle that a cleaner uh, future is a good thing that uh, a more sustainable future where we're less reliant on on external 
uh, sources for everything. I don't think many people could argue with that, but they would argue uh, 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 quite strongly at the thought of having to pay more um, when when there's a potential of this, uh, what they might see as free money uh, just waiting around the corner. I think that's a very good point you've made there, Phil. And I think if if it's clearly communicated and understood that the future's renewable energy is less expensive and therefore affordable to, to people in the Isle of Man than continuing with fossil fuels, then people will understand that. And, and maybe at the moment people don't believe that because we're in a habit of using fossil fuels. We have done for the last decades. Um, but if it's clearly there and people can believe that these costs are going to be achieved with affordable, clean energy, then I, I agree they will see it and they will then get on board. At the moment, there's that fear around. Government can't do everything. I, I, I said many times in Timwold, you know, government can't do anything. It has to get out of the way in certain instances. But that one part- of the things that government can do, and uh, Bonzo has very kindly reminded me here, uh, is... Um, give the green light to the the businesses that are out there who are waiting to do these things. I mean, there are businesses, according to Bonzo at least, private sector firms waiting to uh, do onshore wind, solar power, um, and they just need to get the the necessary clearance from government. Yes, and he's correct. It is there, and and I do believe now, you know, the, the Chief Minister's now been in coming up for a year. I do believe he will be the man that takes the Isle of Man forward and actually gets a, a grip of this and actually has a future that a future direction that we can all believe in and agree with i don't think people want to use fossil fuels so much as actually want to have a warm dry home and use transport and cooking that's what people want for their life and so if that is able to be produced in a more secure and affordable way and at the same time have a cleaner environment, as you say, people will will agree with that and be happy with that. There might be a few who just want an argument, but the majority will be happy with that. And I think that's now the communication to actually government and the private sector to work together on what they want. Then we can actually see what the future's like. Then we can get down to the detail of how we're going to deliver that. And sadly, we're almost at the end of the programme, but uh, Andrew, uh, would you in 10 or 15 seconds tell us whether you're optimistic for the future? Uh, Absolutely optimistic and excited about the prospects of how we can transform our society. Excellent. That was Ralph Peake, Joe Overty and Andrew Langan-Newton. So what do you think? Is the Chamber of Commerce's Business Sustainability Group on the right track? Will the Biosphere Isle of Man Sustainability Toolkit make a difference? Are we as a nation collectively dragging our feet on climate change or do you feel it's all a waste of time and we've got more important things to be dealing with? Please get in touch with uh, philgorn at manxradio.com and let me know your thoughts and views on the programme. And don't forget, the podcast is available from Manx Radio's website. But for now, I'm Phil Gorn. Gorramayus and Geisha Grumps.